your Bibles today, two openings, Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 9, please. Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 9. And by the way, if anybody sees my son running around, I haven't seen him yet. But uh, yesterday I was at the league finals of wrestling. He won second place in league. He's going to CIF. Yeah, I'm proud of him for that. It's really the first year. He was in uh, wrestling uh, a couple of years ago at Troy High School. Which, by the way, uh, Buena Park High School and Troy High School tied as league champs this year. They had the same records this year, and so they, they tied that. But, uh, but when he was with Troy, he never wrestled league. He never got a spot or anything on the team. So this is really his first year, so so proud of him. But there's a tradition we found out about, and that is it, all the wrestlers that go to CIF, well, they dye their hair, they bleach their hair. And so I'm looking forward to seeing this guy because I heard it. He bleached it, got it bleached last night. Late. So I want to see. And if it looks too bad, I'm going to recommend a haircut like mine. <laughs> so if you see him and you wonder what in the world happened to Jonathan, well, that's what, that's what happened to him. It's a, really a congratulations thing. All right. Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 9, please. And last week... By direction of the Holy Spirit, we began a study from the Bible that's so important, so important, called the Unstoppable Spirit-Filled Church. The Unstoppable Spirit-Filled Church. Say that with me. The Unstoppable Spirit. Now, now you can't say unstoppable like you're about to be stopped. The Unstoppable Spirit. No, it's not like that. You have to say unstoppable, unstoppably, okay? Okay. I mean, it's got to have that punch. Ready? Let's say it together. The unstoppable spirit-filled church. Nothing can withstand this. Here's what Jesus said. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> oh, nothing Satan can throw at the church of the Lord Jesus can stop it. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're talking about the unstoppable spirit-filled church. And today we want to look at the multiplication of power and people. The multiplication of power and people. And we want to begin here in Matthew chapter 4. And I'd like us to read verses 23 to 25 out loud together. We'll read from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James Version, that's all right. But follow along on the screen so we can all read the same words as we read aloud if you would. Everybody together, Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, reading loudly and together. Let's read. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Let's stop there. Now, I want to read this back to you because there's so much in these three verses that we could pull out about healing and about the ministry of Jesus and such. But the Lord wants us to look at it from a certain angle today that's so important, so important. Because we need to see the progression of the ministry of Jesus. This is what was happening at that time in the ministry of Jesus. But it didn't stay like that. You're thinking, well, that was pretty good right there. It was, but his ministry got better. And I want to show you why today. So notice again, verse 23 of Matthew 4. And Jesus went. And Jesus went. Who went? Jesus. Jesus did. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching. Who was teaching? Jesus was teaching. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Who was preaching? Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Who was healing? Jesus was healing. Verse 24, then his fame, his fame, Jesus fame went throughout all Syria. That's another country. And they brought to him. Who did they bring to him? I mean, who did, who did they bring all the sick to? To Jesus, right? They brought to Jesus all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. 
and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and He healed them. Who healed them? Jesus did. And He healed them. Verse 25, great multitudes followed Him. Who did the great multitudes follow? Jesus. From Galilee and from Decapolis, which really, Deca, that's 10. Decapolis was really a region with 10 cities. Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now, what I want you to notice is from this passage, you know, uh, it's, it's perfectly appropriate and important that we study the healings and the ministry of Jesus and break that down. We've done that before and we'll probably do it again. But what I want you to also see is that this was all happening by and through him. Jesus traveled. Jesus taught. Jesus preached. Jesus healed. All the sick people were brought to Jesus. And he ministered healing to them directly. So this is wonderful and powerful. But what I want you to see is everything was happening through one man in one geographical location at a time. That's important. Now that's powerful. Praise God for that. We needed that. The people needed that. But I want you to look now over at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and beginning at verse 1 it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority. The word power there, we know that as the word dunamis, the same word for power in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. It's pronounced a little differently in Greek, but we know it as dunamis. And it says here in verse 1, Then Jesus called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Verse 2, He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, nor money, nor money, nor money. Now you know why I'm emphasizing that? Because you'd be surprised how many people say they're called into ministry and yet when they find out that there's no budget, then they don't feel called anymore. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. I've seen people that say, you know what, uh, I'm called to pastor in that city there that the Lord just laid that city on my heart. Years I've been praying about that city. I'm called. Oh, well, praise the Lord, brother. Let, let's get you over there. And uh, they said, uh, well, what's available? Huh? What, yeah, like a position, any positions available, like with a salary, you know, benefits and stuff like that. No, there's nothing like that available. Oh, well, let me see where else the Lord would call me. I thought you said you're called over there. You'd be surprised how many people all of a sudden feel a call of God somewhere else, wherever there's money. <laughs> Amen. You know, we don't even realize we're doing it. We follow money. That's why Jesus said, nope, nope. I'm sending you, don't take any money. Go by faith. God will take care of you. <laughs> you notice how he, he started them off with no budget. The labor is worthy of his wages. Go, God will take care of you. If you can't believe God to take care of you, how are you going to believe God to heal somebody's cancer? Isn't that right? Here we're going, I'm believing God. He's going to do big stuff for them. But Lord, what am I going to do for me? Well, wait a minute. Shouldn't you already have faith for yourself? See, so Jesus just started them off. No, you get no budget. Don't take any money. Just trust God, believe God, and let God do it. Let God do it. And don't you know that the Bible says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so... He said, don't take any money with you. Don't even have a spare tunic. Verse 6. So they departed and went through the towns preaching. They departed. They departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now I want you to notice a transition here. Before all the healing, all the ministry happened with Jesus in one location at a time. But now all of a sudden he calls these 12 disciples to him and he gives them power and authority. He sends them out and now preaching's happening everywhere. Preaching's happening all over. Healing is happening all over the place. 
Why? Because he delegated power and authority. So see, sometimes we think about the ministry of Jesus and we only think about the individual level of ministry. And we forget, no, no, no. This continuum came to a point where he said, I can't be the only one doing this. So he sent them out. And then notice this, the next chapter, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. So now we're up to 82 plus Jesus. That's 83 people. So we went from one person preaching, teaching, healing, and bringing the ministry to now we've got 83 different people that are all out there doing the ministry of Jesus. Can you see that? This is important. Why? Because we want to know how in the world did one man in his ministry, and he only served in ministry about three, three and a half years, and now we've got Christianity all over the world. How did this global gospel get out there? It happened through the power of multiplication. Or we could say this, the multiplication of power. Jesus didn't hold all that power for himself. He delegated it to them. He gave them power and he gave them authority. And so now he goes and he gets 70 others also. And notice this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city. Into every, where did Jesus send them? Every city. And not only that, and place. And place. Some things aren't cities. They're just places. For us today, I know what the Lord is speaking is. We need every city, every block, every apartment complex, every business and organization. Needs somebody there bringing the word, bringing the ministry to that place. So every city and place, notice this where he himself was about to go, where he himself was about to go. And here's what I believe the Lord is saying. At Vision 2013, I shared that our leaders of our church, many of our leaders of our church, 20 something of us went up to the mountains to pray and to seek the Lord. And the word of the Lord, among the other things that we're doing here this year, the word of the Lord for this season is take rock groups everywhere. And let me tell you what we mean by rock groups. Don't think of a group. Oh yeah, we're going to go and do a group. Okay, well, that, we're not after a group. You know what we're after? You know what the Lord's saying? Take the ministry of Jesus that he's done through the rock everywhere. That's what he's saying. So we put rock groups as sort of an organizational title for this. But really, it's the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's done here on this campus, he's saying, take it everywhere. Take it everywhere. Well, this is not anything new. Jesus did that. Isn't that right? This is what Jesus did. We're just following his model. And the Holy Spirit's saying, now, now do it. But this is not anything new. You know, in a, I think a lot of churchgoers in America, they think the way this church thing works is, yeah, you just come and attend every week or, you know, maybe not every week, but, you know, every once in a while you come and attend and you say, yeah, that's my church and so on. Yeah, so and so. But they, they don't realize that they are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a campus. The church is the body of Christ, right? And a local church is a local body. And so when we're talking about the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus is not only supposed to happen to us, it's supposed to happen through us. Isn't that right? That's what makes the unstoppable spirit-filled church unstoppable. Because it's not just one man. Even Jesus didn't limit it to himself. It's not just one man or one woman. It's everybody that receives the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody that receives the fullness of the Spirit, when they go out, they've got just as much ability through the Holy Spirit. They've got just as much insight and wisdom through the mind of Christ as anybody else. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows everything. Isn't that right? This is the model of the kingdom of God. This is so exciting. And guess what? You're a part of this thing. You're a part of this thing. Now, the enemy wants to lie to us in our minds and say, no, if, if I went out, you know, and tried to do something, it just, it wouldn't happen like, 
like it does for other, other people or at the church, you know. Listen, let me tell you what Jesus said in John 14, 12. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So Jesus verified that the ministry that he delegates to us is not going to be less than his ministry, but it's going to do the same works that he did. And he even went on to say in greater works. Notice, he's not concerned that somebody's going to outdo him. He was only here three and a half years. He couldn't do everything in three and a half years. And so he knows that other people are going to do more things. In fact, you know, we have things, somebody, some people argue, what are those greater things? Well, he didn't say there was just one or two of them. He just said greater things. I know this. We have some listed in the book of Acts. Like, for example, they took aprons and fabrics from Paul's body. And they'd go and travel with them and lay them on sick people. And those sick people would be healed. And demons would be cast out of people by just having that fabric or that cloth that was on Paul's body laid on them. Now we know, Pete, we know Jesus wore a garment and the woman with the flow of blood and other people would come and touch his garment and be healed. That was great. But here now we got a garment going out. A traveling garment. And it was not just one. It was aprons, the Bible said. They'd, they'd be taken to different places and people would get healed. Well, that didn't happen in the ministry of Jesus that we know about. You think Jesus is saying, hey, you don't be doing stuff I didn't do. No, no, no. Praise God. Why? Because it's still the same ministry of Jesus. It's still with his authority. It's still the power of the Holy Spirit. And the bottom line is, if it wasn't God going on those aprons and such, nobody would get healed after all. Isn't that right? Linen's not going to do anybody any good. You need the Holy Spirit. So the proof is in the pudding. That's not a scripture, but it ought to be. Well, I guess maybe it shouldn't be, but it's it's a principle in here a principle in here. So notice that Jesus multiplied. And so I'm getting so excited about this because the exact thing that the Lord is leading us to do right now, we're reading about it in the Bible. Here it is right here. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. He's doing it through our church. Praise God. Well, look here. He sent out the 70. And then in verse two, he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I want you to notice this for a moment. The harvest truly is great. Matthew says the harvest truly is plentiful. Now, what does that mean? When Jesus says the harvest is great or the harvest is plentiful, do you think he said, man, it's apple season? I mean, there's ap- apple trees are blossoming everywhere. I mean, there's fruit everywhere. You think he's talking about apples? You think he's talking about pears? What's he talking about? He's talking about people. So when he says the harvest truly is great, what he's saying is there are people everywhere that need this ministry. But then he turns around and says, but the laborers are so few. What does that mean? I I don't have enough people to go out and get this fruit that's on the harvest. You know, John, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields because they're already white for harvest. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. Well, is he talking about grain or is he talking about people? He's talking about people. So when he says, if the fields are already white for harvest, is Jesus saying, there are a lot of white people out there that are ready to get saved. Is that what he's talking about? No. What does it mean to say they're already white for harvest? Ripe. Ripe. The people are ripe. They're ready. But we don't see them. He said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. You know, sometimes the enemy puts in our mind that there's nobody that I come into contact with that's ready to come to the Lord. I couldn't do anything. There's nobody. But Jesus said, open your eyes. They're everywhere. And they're ripe. What does that mean? They'll come. They'll come in. They're ready to come. Come on. Open your eyes. They're ready. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. You know, I think sometimes we need to pray for ourselves. (laughs) Lord, instead of me just praying somebody else will go, I need to pray for myself that I'll go. Amen. Didn't get a loud amen on that, did I? (laughs) Can you say amen for the person next to you? Come on. 
All right, that was louder right there. <laughs> now you think about this. Here's the Lord that came down, gave everything he had, died on the cross to pay for the salvation of all these people, and he can't hardly get anybody to go. I don't know about you. I don't want to be in that category. Do you? I want to be one of these laborers that's been sent. Somebody prayed that I'd be sent. Yes, Lord, I'll I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll go. How many of you want to be a sent one by the Lord? Raise your hand. I just want to see who's not raising their hand today. Come on. That's pretty good. All right, look at this. Pray, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Well, not everybody's called to the exact same role, but everybody's called to be a part. Everybody's called to be a part. Now look what happened. Verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy. Some of you, when you think about it, you're thinking, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. Man, I'm busy. Plus, I just don't have a lot of confidence. And man, that's uncomfortable. And oh man, see, you got all these reasons in your mind why you may not want to do it. But let me tell you what's going to happen. When you take the plunge, when you get over that threshold that's holding you back, and you see people's lives being changed. Oh, when you see tears rolling and people saying, I'm free. Like this couple I was just talking to back here in the visitor reception room today that said, God changed our life. We've been delivered from so many bondages, smoking, drinking. They just started listing them all off. We're delivered. We're so excited about this. I mean, they're new, but they're excited. They're excited. When you start being used by the Lord to get precious people free, and to get them full of Jesus, you'll return with joy. And you'll, you'll say, it's working for us too. This is working for us too. That's what these 70 said. Jesus, what you've been doing is working for us. It's working for us. They return with joy. Look at this. They return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons. What does that mean? Even the demons. In other words, that's not all that's happening, but even demons got to do what we tell them to do. Well, why? He gave them power and authority. That's why. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, that doesn't surprise me. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So notice the Lord, he wasn't trying to hold this ministry to himself. No, he's giving it away. Come on, we need people. We need laborers out there. But we're not going to send laborers out there without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to send laborers out there without understanding of the gospel of Jesus that they're preaching. So what does that mean? We've got to disciple them, but then we've got to send those disciples out. That's why the Lord's had us doing discipleship these years. And now the Lord's saying, now you've got to send those disciples out. You don't want, you don't want a big discipleship clot Isn't that right? We come in here for training, for the Holy Spirit to teach us and to speak to us. But then we go out there and we minister. We're a part of this thing. You're a part of this thing. All right. So let me talk about for a moment something that I shared with, uh, shared it with everybody about at Vision 2013. When I went away to fast and pray for three days, the Lord said to me, here's your assignment for this season. Here's your assignment. It comes from 2 Timothy 2.2. And here's what Paul told Timothy. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice the multiplication. The things that you've heard from me. So Paul is saying, I taught them to you, Timothy. You're going to teach them to faithful people. And then those faithful people are going to go out and teach them to other faithful people. Do you see the multiplication? Where'd they get that from? Jesus. Jesus started that. Jesus started that. But that's the way this system works. Everybody receives. Everybody can do what God has called them to do. You remember Ephesians 4, 11 and 12? Jesus gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints. And that equipping includes the power of the Holy Spirit. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Notice, 
He didn't give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do the work of the ministry. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Everybody in the body of Christ is called to the work of ministry. Everybody. And when you're sent out, you're sent out with the same power. You know, they chose in Acts chapter 6, some table servers, Stephen and Philip and these guys. And you know, these guys move with power. Stephen had miracles and signs and wonders. Philip went to Samaria, had miracles and signs and wonders. You're like, well, you guys are the table servers. I mean, sir, you're doing the donut holes. Isn't that right? But they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, and so we may have a particular function of a title, but that doesn't limit us to being a part of the ministry of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. That doesn't limit us a bit. So the Lord said, here's your job this season. Your job is to take the things that I've taught you and to deliver them to faithful people who will go and deliver them to other faithful people, who will then go and deliver them to other faithful people. This is the ministry of Jesus. That's how we got from one man to well over a billion people that call themselves Christians around the world today. That's how we got here. And so what the Lord is speaking to us, I'm just so excited just going over. Now, I've seen these things many times before, but it's exciting when you're in the season where God says, now, now, pull the trigger on that next level now. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're doing. Jesus said to Simon in Luke 5, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He didn't say let down a net. He said let down your nets. And you'll notice in some translations that the Greek text is not really a variation so much in the translations as it is from the Greek text variations. But uh, like in the New King James, Jesus said, go let down the nets. And Peter said, I'll let down the net. And that's why the net was breaking. Because Jesus said, get all the nets out there. And the net breaking means we're going to lose some. I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose any because I wasn't obedient to God. So when the Lord says, get all the nets out, he's saying, I've got nets all over this congregation. Nets that are going to catch people. And the enemy's trying to put fear on some of them and saying, well, I can't do it or I'm not confident enough or I'm kind of embarrassed. And so I can't. He said, but I'm giving them the power of the Holy Spirit to go and I'm going to fill their nets. Amen. Amen. So if we don't throw out all these nets, then we're going to miss people because the, the one net that we have here is breaking. It's breaking. Now, I mentioned at Vision 2013 that there was this couple that was ministering in Asia and the Lord gave them an idea to start something called T for T, training for trainers. And all it was was simply they would take their disciples and they would train them on how to share the gospel with other people and train others to share the gospel with other people. And they, they'd help them with their testimony to get it refined, you know, to where it was very clear and uh, it was concise. So in just a couple of minutes, they could really share their testimony. They taught them how to break into it. You know, when you're in a conversation, how to bring up the, their testimony and such. And uh, well, they came back for a while from the mission field. Then they went out, they were sent back to China and they ended up in this area of China where there were about 20, uh, 20 million factory workers. And so they prayed, Lord, how are we going to break into this new culture of 20 million people? And the Lord impressed them to start this T for T again. Well, they got 11 disciples saved, baptized them in water and started this training for them with their testimonies and how to relate to people and how to train other people and such. And you know, in the, in, over the next 10 years, they baptized in water 1.7 million people in 10 years from 11, from 11. <laughs> because that's the power of multiplying or that's the multiplication of power and people. See, if you, if you give the power of the Holy Spirit to people and just train them and teach them, no, the same Holy Spirit that was in the ministry of Jesus is in you now. You don't have to be afraid. Don't let your mind be afraid. The same power of the Holy Spirit is in you. 
And if he's in you, he'll do the same works that he did through Jesus. Just step out, believe, step out and watch what happens. And this is what the Lord's saying to us. The Lord's saying, now is the time here at the rock. It's time to multiply. (laughs) It's our time right now. Oh, this is going to be powerful. Can anybody sense this? This is going to be so powerful. Now you remember we went over in Acts chapter 1, the fourth verse, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. And then in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is why level 2 is so important, because we really talk a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving the power of the Spirit. But then notice this, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. So how many people were there waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit? About 120. So how many people were there waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit? About 120. Just seeing if everybody's paying attention. So I said, did he just ask the same question twice? Yeah, but I was hoping like everybody would answer. So I'll try it a third time. Ready? And the reason I want to do this is because I'm going to go over some other numbers in the Bible and I want to show you something. How many people were in the upper room waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit? Okay, about 120, okay? Now watch this. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now when it says they were all filled, how many? Now you said all. Well, that's true. Okay. But I was kind of going back to the number, right? How many? 120. Okay. So when it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, he's talking about that 120 people that chapter one mentioned. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, you know, Peter got up and he began to preach. And verse 41 says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3000 souls were added to them. Added to who? How many of them? Added to the 120. So we've got about 3,000 added to about 120. So how many are we up to now? About 3,120. Isn't that right? So look, by the power of the Spirit. Now Jesus left. And by the power of the Spirit, He started this thing over. He said, now, I'm leaving. But instead of just continuing my ministry, my ministry is over. Personally on the earth. So he said, we want to restart this thing. But now instead of me just having delegated power to you, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and possess this power on you. And now you're going to go out. So he restarted them with 120 people. And in the first day, by the power of the Spirit, 3000 were added. So now they're up to 3120. And then look at verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, let's say this, at church, with one accord at church, and breaking bread from house to house. Breaking bread from house to house. That doesn't mean everybody went home to sleep at night. That meant that they were doing ministry in the homes. Breaking bread means we were coming together. And breaking bread from house to house, notice this. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we got about 3120. That's a part of the church of Jerusalem now. But now because everybody's going out into homes and meeting in homes, the Lord's adding to the church daily. So there's an addition going on. There's an addition going on. I I met in between the services today with a a young lady, a single parent, uh, that the father of her child left. And here's what she said. She said, I was at the mall, she said, and I hadn't heard from my ex in a long time. And I got this call, talked to him about for about 30 minutes. She said, it was not a good call. Found out all of what he was into. It was not good. She said, it was really tough on me. She said, I was sitting down on a bench there And she said, somebody came and sat there and listened to the whole conversation. And then she said, when I got off this call, he said, I apologize for listening in on your conversation. But I just wanted to share with you about our church, The Rock and such. And she said, 
she said, and uh, I came and God has been ministering to me. Now listen to what she said. Listen to what she said. She said, and I just wanted to come meet you today to let you know that what you're talking about with us spreading ministry out, that's how I got here. And she said, and I know that I'm going to be used and I'm going to do this too. I'm going to help spread this too. I want to be a part. You tell me, you see? That's just somebody at the mall but sensitive to the Holy Spirit and realizing, man, there are precious people everywhere. The harvest is ripe. This lady was ripe right there. And somebody saw it and invited her. And here she is in tears saying, Jesus is changing me and I want to be a part of this thing too. See, it wasn't all that hard. It wasn't all that hard. Didn't have to go through three or four years of theological training. And the power, the power of the Holy Spirit is working. Say amen to that. See, this is what God's doing and saying. Now listen to this. In Acts chapter 4, the fourth verse, it says the number of men came to be about 5,000. Now that's just the men. So we're at 3120 and he's adding every day. And by the time you get to chapter 4, verse 4, just the men are at 5,000 men. Well, you can think, okay, well, let's do a quick calculation here. Uh... If you have an equal amount of women, most churches have more women, but let's just say you have an equal amount of women, so that's 10,000. And we don't know how many kids they had, but you know, in this culture, they probably had a lot more. But let's just throw a couple of thousand in there to be conservative. That's about 12,000, okay? So now this church went from 120, and now they're over 12,000 people. You know, I was in a meeting, this, this excites me. I was in a meeting just this past week. And we were talking about, you know, what the Lord has done and where we are and trying to get some clarity so that as we go into this new phase, we, we have clarity of how we're tracking our people. And so we asked the question, how many people do we have active at The Rock? Not people that used to come years ago that we haven't seen in a long time, but people that we've seen in the last three months. People that we've seen in the last three months. And you know what? We, we, it took us a little work there to, to nail down the number but everything we came up with, over 12,000 people now are active, active that we've seen here in the last three months. Amen. Now, I want to show you something. Let me show you this. Now, let's look at this. In Acts chapter 6, verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint them over this business. And then verse 7 says, And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now, in chapter 4, they were at at least 12,000. And now we're at chapter 6, and it says that they chose some other people, got some other people involved, and released ministry And now the number of the disciples is multiplying greatly. Not just a little multiplication, but multiplying greatly. But you got to understand this. We have to presume by our calculations that you started the multiplication with at least 12,000 people. If you just multiplied it by two, that's 24,000 people. Isn't that right? You multiplied it by three, that's 36,000 people. What's going on here? This is the multiplication of power and of people. This is what Jesus started. This is what Jesus trained them to do. Don't keep it for yourself. Don't just have everybody come into one place and hear ministry. No, get, a, get people out there ministering everywhere. Get them out there ministering everywhere. Why? That's how you're going to reach this harvest. So we come in here to be retooled. We come in here to be equipped. We come in here to be directed, hear the word of the Lord, and to be refreshed and to come together in an atmosphere of the presence and power of God, an atmosphere of faith to receive. But then we go out and we do something and it may seem like it's not a huge deal of what we're doing. Individually, you put us all together and the multiplication is powerful. And let me tell you, everyone of those people is a precious individual for whom Jesus died. Isn't that right? Can you see what the Lord is leading us into? 
We're walking through the steps of the book of Acts. We're walking through the steps of the book of Acts. So that's why, along with what the Lord has already shown me and said to me, that's why I know what's about to happen. If we'll do it. I know a lot of churches that came to this juncture and they weren't willing to do it. No, I'd just rather come and sit and, you know, just just enjoy. I don't really want to do nothing, but I just want to come in, you know, just, I just want to be a part of a church. Well, listen, look, you are a part of the church. You're a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've got to go after this. What, is, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28? 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Who did he say that to? Well, we know it includes that 120. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. See, that's what Paul told Timothy. The things that you heard from me, teach them. And then they'll teach others also. Folks, this is about to explode. Some people think, man, well, look what God has done. Look what God's about to do. Amen. It's like he's been adding up until this point. Now we're about to go into multiplication. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not by slick organization or some new plan. Look, this is what Jesus did. Amen. This is what the apostles did. We didn't come up with anything new. The Holy Spirit is just leading us, saying, okay, now, now this next level. And praise God, here we are. We're at the level where he's saying, time to multiply. Time to take all these disciples that have been filling themselves with the word and to send them out. And some of you say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. You ready? (laughs) Why? Because the Holy Spirit is saying, you're ready. You're ready. Praise God. Praise God. No telling what the Lord's going to do. No telling what the Lord's going to do. But he's going to take us from where we are. We're going to multiply this thing. Why? So that we could say, hey, we multiply. We're big. No, no, no. No, no. Because look, how can you brag about how many people you got when there's still billions of people in the world that have not been reached yet? Somebody said, well, how, how long are we going to keep going after people? There is a limit. We're only going to keep going after more people until we reach the last one for Christ. Amen. And then we'll stop. And then we'll go on home. (laughs) We're not going to stop. You know what's funny? You know what's funny is we don't realize what we're doing. But aren't you glad people didn't stop reaching new people until they got you? Aren't you glad they didn't quit before you came in? Sometimes we get comfortable and we forget. Well, you're comfortable because you're already in. But what about the people that don't know yet? We got to reach them. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're talking about the multiplication of power and people. And when we delegate the power of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus to people, that's what's going to happen. And let me just say something right here. When we multiply ministry, we do want the Holy Spirit to do his work. And we know Jesus said, We'll even do greater works. But let me tell you what we're not looking for. We're not looking for allowing the enemy to exploit our flesh and my need to be recognized so that now I got to do something nifty and cool and special and sensational in this ministry over here that nobody else in our church is doing. So that way everybody will know you want this. You got to come over here and get it. The flesh thinks like that. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Praise God you don't. But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And people, I've seen this happen over the years, where people get a little technique of ministry or a little something that they feel like they can do that maybe nobody else is doing and that's what they want to do. And instead of being led by the Holy Spirit and just doing the ministry of Jesus, I got to do something that that brings attention to myself to fulfill a void that I have in my heart. But the moment I do that and begin to walk in the flesh, the oil drains away. And the Holy Spirit's power is not there, so i got to conjure something. And so that's why you'll see some people always trying to get people slain in the Spirit. Let's pray for them. Let's pray. And you're praying, 
Hebabah, you know, doing your thing, you know, praying, 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 and nothing's happening. And so you just keep praying. Well, it's not that you're necessarily continuing to pray because the Holy Spirit's saying there's something else I'm ministering to there. But you're waiting for him to fall down. And you know what's interesting too? When people fall down, then you go to the next person. How would you know the Holy Spirit was done? See, sometimes it reveals in our own hearts what you're after. You know, people can lay down at home. Amen. Now listen to me. I just want to bring some clarity to this. I know for a fact that... Many times when somebody will lay their hands on somebody, the Holy Spirit will come on that person and they may collapse to the floor. I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. My wife has had that happen to her and the lady that went to minister her didn't even touch her. And she wasn't up there to be slain in the Spirit. She was up there to receive something from the Lord. And the lady started to walk toward her and she said, she doesn't know what happened. She's down. Nobody even touched her. Nobody even touched her. Now, you know, there's some folks, they like that. And so it doesn't matter who prays for them. They'll go down. And especially if other people going down, okay, my turn. I mean, they're practically going before. Like, you're coming up, they're already like this. Well, all right. You know, some people like that. Look, look let, me, let me just tell you, though. My concern, my concern, I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit. My concern is all the people out there that the enemies say into their mind that the Holy Spirit's power is not real and all these guys are faking it. And then they come in and they see people faking it. And then they discount the real power of the Holy Spirit because of the fakers. That's my concern. Let the Holy Spirit do it. And here's, here's something else too. We, we got to stay on the word. Everybody says that, but not everybody does it. You know, Jesus, you remember in... Uh, Mark 16, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. You remember that? How many of you remember that verse? In my name, they will cast out demons, speak with new tongues. They'll take up or remove serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But you remember what the last thing it was that he said? And they'll slay people in the spirit. Did he say that? Did he say that? Is there anywhere in the Bible that tells us that we should go out to get people slain in the spirit? Does it even hint it? See, listen, all I'm saying is that it's not that the Holy Spirit's power doesn't come on people, but somehow because that's a visible thing of people falling down, the enemy gets into our minds and gets us to want to do that. And so before you know it, I'm more interested in somebody falling down than I am somebody getting healed. So they fell down. They got up, but they're not healed. They're not delivered. Their family didn't get restored. You understand? See, this is why I love Jesus. He's not into just something that looks good. No, he wants them to be healed. He said, go lay hands on the sick so they can recover. Why? Because then they'll be well. That's what we're after. Anybody see what I'm saying? God is after healing people, helping people in a genuine way where they walk away and it's not there anymore. Not after something that made it look like we had a great service, but everybody walked away and nothing happened. Amen. Amen. And I I tell you what, I, I am absolutely opposed to anything fake even from people that love Jesus with all their hearts. And the reason I am is because I don't want to give the enemy a tool for anybody that's skeptical of these things to come in and to discount the genuine power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need our help. Amen. He doesn't need. I've been pushed over so many times. Amen. You know, at some point, I I noticed back when I was a teenager that there's a certain point where you get to when you're going like this. You know, at, at, at first you learn to just step back if somebody's pushing, you know, you just step back like that. But some people got the technique where they grab you around the waist back here and then they push you like that, kind of fold you in half backwards. 
And there's a certain point where you reach where you're saying, I want to go down. Out, out, out. Let, let go. Let, uh, let me go, right? Look. Amen. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit is real and people have genuinely had the Holy Spirit come on them and then fall at times. And thank God for it. And we shouldn't gawk and be looking. Is that real? I just, I I have learned, look, don't let the enemy distract you from what Jesus is doing in the service. Because some people are in the spirit. Some people are in the flesh. But nonetheless, let Jesus do ministry with people. Even if somebody gets in the flesh, don't worry about it. Jesus has seen that for years. Isn't that right? Not going to affect him. He's just going to keep on going. But let's stay in the spirit about things. But what I'm saying is when we're going to delegate some authority and power out, we're not going to go out and sensationalize things and begin to do things that Jesus didn't ask us to do to make ourselves look good. That's not the ministry of Jesus and that's not the ministry of the rock. But we are going to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit does heal people and minister to people. And if something does happen, somebody falls down, we're not going to freak out about that and say, we don't do that here. Well, we're not doing, we're just doing the ministry of the Lord. Amen. 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 We just want the real deal, genuine power of God touching people because it is available. Somebody say amen to this. Amen. Amen. And because of it, even if there's skeptics out there, at least they'll say, but those guys are not over there faking it. These guys are being straight. They, I went there for prayer. They didn't push me or anything like that. Can you imagine what happens to an unbeliever or a skeptic when they come for prayer and uh, you start pushing them? No, listen, that's a reflection on all of us. That's a reflection on all of us. Just do what Jesus said. Lay hands on them to be healed, to be delivered, not to make you look good. Say amen again. These things are important. See, we're already in ministry training here, aren't we? This is important. And because we're honest and we have faith that God will do the power stuff, we just need to do, well, God didn't say that you had to do something. He said, lay hands on him. God will do it. God will do it. So I'm announcing to everybody right now that we're now entering a multiplication of power and people phase. I'm announcing it to everybody because it's, this is the, what the Holy Spirit is saying. And it's right here in the Bible. You want to know? Jesus started this way of doing it. The apostles continued this way of doing it. It's not our job to come up with something new. It's just our job to follow the model of the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen to this. Praise God. Amen. 